Let's pray. Dear Lord, open our hearts to your word. Transform our minds. Lead us to know you better. Lord, nourish and comfort our souls this morning. We pray this in your son's most precious name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be working our way through Psalm 42. Now, I'll confess, I've never found the Psalms particularly easy to read or understand. They're not in my natural style of speaking, thinking or understanding. But I am convinced they have much to say to us. They speak directly to our soul. They put into words so many of our innermost thoughts and feelings. So for me personally, they are well worth the effort of reading and understanding. But let's turn to this Psalm of Lament, Psalm 42. I'd first like to highlight two things in general about this psalm. First, Psalm 42 is a song. You'll notice in your Bibles that immediately above the first verse are the words, to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. The psalm comes with instructions to the choir master. It's a song. It's meant to be sung. We're meant to interpret it as a, it, as a song. And this means we need, to we need to think about this psalm a little bit differently to how we might interpret a gospel or a letter or the writings of a prophet. Like a song, its themes cycle back and repeat. So as we look at this song together, we'll need to look at its themes and structure rather than just working through it line by line from start to finish. The second point to note is that Psalm 42 is a psalm of lament. Now that should come as no surprise. As we read through this song together, you could clearly hear the anguish, the sorrow and the distress of the psalmist flowing out of his words. They are the words of a man in pain. Let's take a back step back from this specific psalm for a moment and ask the question, what is a lament? What is the psalmist doing that's different to just crying or feeling sad? Everyone at some point in their life will feel sad. Sadly, due to sin, this state is inescapable for all people. But how is just feeling sad or distressed different to a lament? Well, a lament is taking these, sorrows of sor these feelings of sorrow, pain and distress and turning them into a prayer and taking them before our God. It is putting your trust in God despite your pain. A lament stops our sorrows and distress from transforming into bitterness and sin. A lament is the way God has taught us to trustingly take our sorrows to him for his comfort and his hope. We must learn to not let our sorrows fester. Instead, we must practice lamenting and take our sorrows to the doctor of our souls for healing. But let's come back to this psalm, this song, and have a look at what it specifically has to teach us. Now, as I was preparing for this sermon, someone helpfully pointed out to me that a psalm of lament usually has four core elements. One, turn to God. Two, bring your complaint. Three, ask boldly for help. And finally, four, choose to trust. We're going to use these four elements as scaffolding to guide us through this psalm. First, turn to God. The very first words of the psalmist are, as a deer pants for flowing streams, 
So my soul, for you, O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. The psalmist uses this very vivid language to describing turning to God for help. Let's stop and imagine together the picture that he paints. A deer panting for water. Picture with me a deer who has been out in the sun all day. It's spent its day wandering, grazing. Sometimes it's even had to run for its life to escape a predator. It's tired. It's thirsty. Very thirsty. Then it hears a trickling sound of a stream in the distance. Its ears peak. Its entire body pants for that flowing stream of water. Its course is set. It has no other destination, no other desire than to reach that stream of flowing water, the stream that will restore its life. That should be our stance when we are sad and distressed. We must turn longingly to God and seek the streams of living water that flow from him. As followers of Christ, this side of the cross, we have an advantage over the psalmist here. We know that it is is Jesus who gives us the living water that we seek, the living water that we need. In John 4, we're told that Jesus had been travelling. He's tired. He approaches a well and asks a woman there to draw him some water. During an exchange with the woman, he reveals himself as the living water. He says, everyone who drinks this water, that is the water from the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And just a couple of chapters later in John 7, Jesus says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The psalmist in Psalm 42 longed for God like a deer pants for water. He longed for this living water. As Christians, the Bible tells us that the source of living water, the Holy Spirit of Jesus himself, dwells within us. This source of living water, this source of comfort, this source of hope of eternal life flows within every Christian. When we are downcast, when we are hopeless... We can turn to God and know that this spring of living water lives within us. It will well up to comfort us and remind us that we are looking forward to a day when God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. No matter how sad we become, we have a God who lives within us knows us, and is the source of hope for us. So element one in a healthy lament, turn to God. Let's move on to bringing your complaint to God. The core of the psalmist's complaint, although I would be more inclined to describe it as his distress, appears to be his distance from God, a separation from God. Verse four unpacks this a bit for us. These things I remember, as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. He soul 
feels distant from God. This man used to lead processions to the temple in Jerusalem, to the place where God's presence dwelt. For some reason, he can no longer do that. The passage seems to imply that he may no longer even be able to access the temple anymore. In verse 2 he says, When shall I come and appear before God? When will he be able to go to the temple again? We now start to see the heart of this man's distress. He is a follower of God. He longs for closeness to God, but cannot do as he once did. He cannot lead processions of God's people to the temple anymore. In fact, it seems he cannot even access the temple anymore. Just try and imagine the pain of that. To an Old Testament Israelite, this meant he was cut off from God's dwelling place. He was feeling far from God. As if this separation from God wasn't distressing enough, he then gets taunted by his enemies, kicked while he is down. We see this in two places in the psalm. First in verse 3 where he says, My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? And he expands on this in verse 10. As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? You can feel his pain. This man is in distress, feeling far from God, with his enemies mockingly saying to him, Where is your God? Their taunting compounds his distress like a deadly wound in his bones. We see this man's experience mirrored in Jesus. In the Gospels, we see Jesus making a triumphal entry into Jerusalem and the week leading up to his death on the cross. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a colt. Throngs of crowds come out. They lay their cloaks and palm leaves on the road. The crowds were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Mark tells us that he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. Does this sound familiar at all? Just like the psalmist did in our psalm here, Jesus leads a procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. We can also see the psalmist's feeling of separation from God mirrored and amplified by Jesus. On the cross in Matthew's Gospel, we hear Jesus cry cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Christ, on the edge of giving up his life, suffers ultimate separation from God. We can also see the taunting the psalmist received mirrored and amplified as it was directed at Christ. In the lead up to the crucifixion and on the cross, we see Jesus being mocked mercilessly. The the Roman soldiers dress him up in a purple robe. They crown him with a crown of thorns and they mockingly bow before him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! The elders and the chief priests mocked Jesus on the cross, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. To add final insult to the mix, even one of the criminals being crucified with him reviled him, saying, Are you not the Christ? 
save yourself and us. The psalm points us to the life and death of Jesus. We see the distress of the psalmist mirrored and amplified in Jesus. Jesus understands our distress. He's been to all the dark places we go to in our distress. We follow a God who doesn't just sift, who doesn't just loftily sit in heaven above, but he came to this world and experienced suffering, agony and distress. Jesus too has cried out in distress. We follow a God who can relate to us not only because he created us, but because he lived among us and experienced the life we live. Jesus turned to God the Father and Jesus brought his complaint. The third element of a psalm of lament is asking God boldly for help. This element is not the main focus of Psalm 42 or even its destination. The psalmist's clear focus is pouring out his soul to God, trusting that God will comfort and restore him. With this background in mind, we can look at what the psalmist is actually asking of God. In verse 2, we see the core of the psalmist's request when he writes, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? This is more a plea than a request. This man is longing for God. He desperately wants to appear before him, but cannot. The psalmist isn't casually asking, When shall I appear before you, God? He's desperately asking that his current distance from God will end. He's boldly asking God for help. We see in verse 5 that the psalmist is confident that his plea will be answered when he sings. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. In his pain, he speaks directly to his soul and says, I will hope in God, I will praise him again, I will praise my salvation and my God. He practices a most healthy Christian discipline. He listens to himself less and speaks to his soul more. This man reminds his soul that only God can truly comfort him. Only God can truly save him. He is looking forward to the coming saviour to be his comfort and salvation. This man had hope in a coming saviour. He had hope in a saviour who would comfort his soul. We share with the psalmist this hope. This side of the cross, we know that Jesus Christ is that saviour. We hope and trust in a saviour who made a way for us to be saved. A saviour who made a way for us to be brought near to God. A saviour who offers us true salvation and true comfort. He is the only saviour, the only one who can restore our soul. The psalmist boldly asks, that his distance from God will end. He is longing to appear before God. He is pleading that one day he shall again praise God. This song feels so grim, so sad, yet despite that, you can see the unwavering faith of this man. You can see his desire to hope in God and praise him never diminish. Even when we are in the depths of our despair, we can learn from this man. Our hope is in a God who loves us. We too can turn to God. We too can bring our complaint to him. 
and we too can boldly ask for his help. The final element of lament, of a lament is choosing to trust God. As we have seen already, this man clearly trusts that God can deliver comfort and salvation. But let's spend a bit more time focusing on this man choosing to trust God. In verses 7 and 8, the psalmist says, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. What vivid imagery this man draws out. He hears the roar of life's distress, like the roar of a cascading waterfall. He feels like he is constantly being swamped by the waves of life, like a man who is constantly being battered by the waves of a raging ocean. Yet, he chooses to trust. He knows that the, he knows that the love of God is steadfast. It will not be moved. He trusts that no matter how hard life becomes, he, he always has a refuge in an unwavering God. Finally, let's remind ourselves how the psalm ends. In verse 11, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The psalm ends with the psalmist being downcast. He is in turmoil. Yet the very last words of the psalm are, Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He has absolute confidence that despite his current situation, his current pain and suffering, he shall praise God. He chooses to trust that his sorrows and distress are not all there is. He chooses to trust that God is good and worthy of praise. We have something to learn from this man. When you are downcast, when you are sad, when you are in the depths of your distress, you have a God who loves you and is worthy to be praised. You have a God who intimately knows what it means to suffer, what it means to be in distress. A God who has literally felt our pain. Like the psalmist, we too must make our destination trust in God. When you are feeling sad, sorrowful or distressed, do not let this pain turn to bitterness and sin. Rather, practice lamenting. One, turn to God. Two, bring your complaint. Three, ask boldly for help. And four, choose to trust. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you are good and worthy of praise. Thank you that you are our rock, our steadfast refuge. Lord, help, bring our, help us to bring our laments to you when our souls are troubled. May you heal our souls. Lord, we pray for those who are feeling downcast. May you comfort them. We pray for those who are feeling far from you. May they know and feel your presence and your peace. Lord, we pray that we would always trust in you. We pray also, Lord, that you would nourish our souls. We pray this in your Son's most holy and precious name. Amen.